Hello out there. Welcome to episode one of a podcast that my wife and I wanted to start to have discussions about uh, about issues in America that might be overlooked on a daily basis. We'll work out the name later. So I'm Brian. I'm Avery. Um, we're obviously, we're married um, here, actually living in America, and uh, we... To, to put some perspective on where we're at right now, um, we are uh, in the middle of a very weird time here in America in that uh, there are um, protests happening fairly regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of division in our country, and uh, rightfully so. Um, and we wanted to start a podcast where we can have a conversation that we have in the privacy of our own home that we think might be a good conversation to have for our relationship uh, and kind of put some, put some perspective on where we are as a couple, but at the same time, not um, it leaves that leaves the door open for conversations for others. Right. I think we also want to address because our relationship is the way it is. And we, do have a child, I think that these are conversations that ultimately we might end up having to have with her one day. Do you want to put some perspective on what kind of relationship we have, Lava? <laughs> yeah. Um, so we are an interracial couple. I'm black, he's white, and uh, of course our child is mixed. And so I think that, especially during a time where there's so much racial tension that is coming to the surface. Um, Things that have been hidden for a long time. And I think in a lot of ways, for a lot of Americans, um, in their naivete, we thought it was gone. And now we have this election, Donald Trump is president, and he has sort of given permission for all of the people who were hiding their racism or better yet, who thought they weren't racist to um, come out and basically show their faces. Yeah. I, um, I to give a little bit more perspective on, on where we're coming from. Uh, We live here in North Texas. Um, I grew up in central Oklahoma and uh, when Avery first met me, I think her first thought was probably, oh, cool, a white guy from central Oklahoma, probably racist, cool, he seems nice though, seems a good guy, good guy. I wouldn't say that I thought you were racist, what I thought was kind of the same thing I'd grown up with, so I grew up here in North Texas and um, was used to being the only minority pretty much everywhere I went. And so it wasn't necessarily that I thought people were racist. It was just more of a, you're not interested in me beyond being friends. I do want to put some perspective. It's not that uh, Avery was the only minority in the entire state of Texas. Right. uh, But where she grew up was a very affluent, very white part of North Texas. Very. 
I graduated with a class of over 700 and um, there were only, that was in my specific class and there were only uh, about 30 black kids in the entire school. So, I so mean, when she says that she was um, the only minority, she literally means that like, there was probably no other color or diversity in the people surrounding her except for her. Really. Right. She was the, the, the odd person out. But I, I think it's an interesting perspective from from where you're coming from in that you've you've always been you, you've always been uh, typecast almost right, um, and it's something that you've seen your entire life, and it's something that uh, when I came into our relationship over a decade ago now right right yeah it's terrifying to say out yeah. loud that makes us older yeah we're <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> aged. Um, <laughs> But when we first started dating, it was something that I I picked up on because it was glaringly obvious that uh, when we would go out, people would stare, um, people would just have questions, and it there were like odd questions that seemed sure they seemed innocent, uh, but then when you start hearing the same questions over and over again, and you start to kind of understand like maybe there's more to this, like maybe there's a reason someone's asking me over and over again what what am I gonna do like what am I gonna do about having babies with this person right um those become like really uh but besides I'm, I'm trying to stay clean here but besides rude right uh it's it's hmm but i think it's i don't I, I think... want to say it is racist af <laughs> but it, it, it has those connotations uh when you hear them enough times and i don't think people think of it as being rude i really do think that there is a lot of ignorance out there and people really just don't um, understand lives outside of their own. You know, it's the same people that after we got together came up to me and said, well, how do your parents feel about Brian? Well, they feel just fine. Why would they feel any differently? Um, but if you are not raised in an environment where you are used to seeing people that are different than you and you've invited people into your home that are different than you, then it does seem like a big deal or even an issue um, when you do invite someone into your life that is that may look different or, you know, what whatever it may be. It, yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> from, from uh, my experiences... Uh, being in an interracial relationship, uh, um, it's it's interesting. Uh, I mean, uh, if you're listening to this, I'm, I'm sure you either know us, so hi, how's it going, friends? Or you're <laughs> interested in the topics that we're talking about. So uh, a, a thing that that kind of um, that we both experience along the way, in on you know two sides of the same coin, is that uh, when I'm with my you know majority white coworkers. Uh, and we're out at a function at work and I'm like, Oh, it's bring your spouse. Like, okay. So Avery shows up with me and everyone I can see in their eyes. Uh, especially if I only introduce her to a handful of coworkers, it's interesting. Cause I see in their eyes that like, if they don't know that she's black, it her, their eyes will kind of click. I see something flip and they're like, Oh, 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 hi. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And it, they're very cordial, and they honestly may... They, they, there's no second thought to this person is any different than anything else. But there's always that moment of, 
like not hesitation, but just a realization, right? And I think that could probably go for anyone. If you if you have a really skinny coworker and their spouse is a large person, you're just like, dang, okay, that's different. That's your your opposite. Um, but then it's the rest of the time at work where you your employees talk about like, oh yeah, no, Brian and his wife were there. She's very pretty. Which my wife is very pretty, uh, but then you understand like there's some like other conversations that happen and some topics that get brought up, and you're just like, are you asking me about right. how I feel about this is us because there's a mixed family on that TV show right now? <laughs> I mean, and honestly, it may not. It may it may just be one of those like coincidental things, and this is us. Everybody likes a good cry every now and then. But I know Avery experiences the same thing. She's- I definitely do. Um, not so much with my coworkers because I'm extremely lucky that I work with a very diverse group of people. And so, you know, we literally have everybody um, on our staff. So it's nice with my coworkers, but because I am um, a teacher and I work with kids, it's seeing the kids' reaction, especially when, you know, they come into my room, they're looking at my desk, they see pictures of our child, and they notice, okay, she's a lot lighter than you. And so that's when the questions start coming up. Well, what does your husband look like? Well, what does he do? Well, what color is his hair? What color are his eyes? And they want to be able to narrow things down so they can figure out what race you are. And then once they do figure out what race you are, then it turns into the grapevine because it spreads (laughs) quicker than you would believe. And before I know it, there's some kid that I don't even know at the end of the day coming up to me and saying, I didn't know you were married to a white guy. And um, and again, there's probably no malice in it. It's just right. the calling out that something is different. Right. Something different is happening here. And I think <clears throat> the more and more that ha- like uh, that people are exposed to not only diversity, but uh, diversity in relationships, uh, I think that's that's kind of a healthy thing. But in the change in... Like in this, uh, in in that growth, uh, there's some growing pains that also happen. That's that happen. That, that's when you get people who come to my work and are talking to me about my girlfriend or a picture of my girlfriend that I have up on my desk, and you know they start asking me questions like, "What are you going to do about your kids if you have right. kids together? What what race are they going to identify with?" I'm like, "The human race. I hope. I hope they identify as just good uh, a good human being. Good people. Yeah. Um." But you have you have those uh, run-ins, and one of those such run-ins we've experienced in the last couple of years, unfortunately, because there have been uh, groups in our country that have been not—they've uh, just been. Hmm, they've felt the need that they need to stand up and and make sure that their rights are held and right. that, uh, that that nothing is taken away from them in a time that is pretty volatile, right? right? Um, and I say it that way because now we're experiencing a majority group in our country, um, standing up and saying that they're also protecting their rights, uh, from being, uh, disparaged. Is that the right word? Yeah, sure. I work in beer, so I don't know. Sometimes words aren't good for me. So (laughs) I think the issue is, um, you know, specifically, like, let's talk Black Lives Matter. 
So we've had this conversation many times that Black Lives Matter wasn't just this movement that came about because, well, as black people, we just think we're so special. And, you know, hey, Black Lives Matter and you should consider us. That's not the reason why a movement like that came about. A movement like that came about because there was a need for it. Um, We've seen in the news, I don't know how many times, these specifically young black men, and it's happened to black women, Mm -hmm. that have been um, shot by police officers. And, you know, we we rewatch the body cams, we look at the tapes and see that no offenses were committed. And even if there were, that's still not a reason to take someone's life who's not threatening your own. And so Black Lives Matter came out of a need to speak up and say that, hey, we matter too. We count too. Like, we're not expendable people. Um, However, I think what's happened is in a way some alt-right groups have felt like that's given them permission to say, well, we matter too. We matter too. Right. And, and, and what's more is you're never, my, my, the, the, the part that, that really gets me is when they take the stance of, and you're never going to make us not matter or like the, the no ultra one's trying to take your place, dude. Yeah. The ultra aggressive, like over my cold, dead body, you'll right. take my rights. Like there's, no reason for no reason for that. Right. I think it's a lack of understanding that no one is trying to take your place. It's just simply saying, are are our lives not as important as yours? Like, are we not human beings too? Do we not count also? And I think that's the the huge part that people miss is that although we're saying black lives matter, what they're forgetting is that we're saying black lives matter too. Black lives matter as well. Um and I think that's where a lot of the animosity comes from. But in in general, this is coming from these alt-right hate groups that no matter what happens, they're going to hate anybody that's different from them anyways. Right. Uh, and, sorry. Uh, it's, 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 it's really annoying when you have groups of people uh, on the extremes, any side. You pick. Doesn't matter. Right. We have people on on the extreme sides who refuse to have conversations and having conversations with people who are not like you. Right. Those conversations can lead to, like we discussed earlier, change. Change in the way you think, change in the way policies are created, change in the way that, that policies are executed, right? Um, it, it's... It's really, it's really frustrating when these conversations don't take place. Uh, when when people literally, and this happens from both sides, n- neither neither side of the extreme are exempt from this. But when they just want to play victim one hundred percent of the time, without finding cause for improving their their argument, right? Right. Now the the bad side is if the argument that you have is null to begin with, like let's just say white rights are being impeded upon. That right. is that is not a that's not a thing. It's not like there there are government exercised uh, tactics that are going out and keeping white people down. But the thing is, I think that I think that people who 
um, you know, subscribe to that alt-right belief really do think that. And the thing is, Donald Trump and everybody associated with his administration. Be careful. You said his name twice now. I think you said it three times. Beetlejuice Beetle, shows yeah, up. Yeah, Beetlejuice or, shows up. I don't know. Um, no, it's it's everybody that's associated with his administration. They have made um, a group of people feel like it's us or them. And I think that's where it's gotten extremely dangerous. Um, because he's talking to a people that already have the us or them mindset and all they needed was the confirmation from someone in power to uh, really act on it. Right. And so now we have the person that has been elected to the highest office in the United States. Are you talking uh, about the host of The Apprentice? Yeah. Okay. That's not, the highest office. Not my president. Um, but now we have this guy saying, basically, it's us or them. They're taking your jobs. They're doing this. They're doing that. And mm -hmm. the reason why you're down right now is because of them. And that has added fuel to the crazy fire that the alt-right has already had going for however long. <clears throat> I don't disagree. The One of the things that got me most fired up uh, about the the Charlottesville march um, that uh, happened, technically hasn't even happened yet, by the way. Um, it's scheduled for the 12th of August. But tonight they had the rally at <laughs> Uh, the University I of think, Virginia. I think it was called the Alt-White Tailgate. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. They were having uh, cocktails and torches on the patio. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Um, torches on the patio. So that nonsense. Uh, what what angered me like tenfold, and it's something that's 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 really irked me since uh, we've had a divisive uh, speaker administration. No, 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 not even administration. Before that, before he even got elected. Sure. Um, when he was literally dividing people as much as possible, because that's how you, by the way, real quick, that's, that's how, how you conquer. Yes. You do that. The divide and conquer thing. Yeah. There's a reason they go hand in hand. Yeah. That's a thing. <laughs> uh, cause it's way easier to get one per one group of people, uh, to, to, to kind of conquer the, the other group. And then you just conquer both really easy cause they're both depleted. Right. Uh, no, so when when he since he's been dividing people, it's it's really angered me that I can't look at my neighbor and honestly, it, it, the knee jerk Brian says like I can't trust anybody. Anybody out there could be wearing you know wearing a beard and a ball cap, looking like American Sniper out there, even though he's never done ten push ups in his life, wearing a gut like a like a freaking uh, rucksack full of. Probably water bottles and camel pack and, gear, and he's ready to he's ready to march march for his white you, rights. Like the minority experience that I have, I'm not speaking for all minorities because this may not be everybody's story. But the minority experience that I have is almost, um, you know, my parents raised me to love everybody, and um, but they also raised me to be smart. And my parents always had the conversation with me of you've got to be better than. And it was just a, a simple, you know, don't be overlooked kind of thing. Real quick, this better than speech, yes. I would guess that a majority of our minority listeners have, have, heard, this have heard this speech. Sure. So uh, people who either haven't heard the speech or have heard of the speech. I'll, I'll give a brief, a brief description. So I remember as a kid, um, and I was 
pretty lucky that for about two, three years, uh, I went to a private school that was pretty diverse. And it was because it was made up of a group of kids that I went to church with, and we went to a pretty diverse church. And um, I remember my parents having the conversation when I was about to switch to public school, and they were just saying, almost kind of watch yourself. Make sure that you are not what people expect you to be. And what that meant was, um, you know, people have a lot of preconceived notions. I believe, about, you're, I believe you're describing prejudice. Yeah, prejudice. Sure. People, ha- people have a lot of ideas about what a black girl is going to be like. And so my parents did everything within their power to basically tell me, this is how you walk. This is how you talk. These are the grades that you make. This is how you open up opportunities for yourself. But in doing that, you are making it so uh, that there is no reason to turn you down. You know, that was one of the encouragements that my parents, both of my parents are college educated. They have their master's degrees. Um, But that was part of the reason why they urged me to go to college. You want to be better than you want to be the candidate that they want to pick. And it wasn't it wasn't said in a way that was like they're willing to overlook the fact that you're black and pick you because you're qualified. But there was almost that underlying tone of you want to present yourself in a way that they're willing to overlook the fact that you're black and see that you're qualified. Mm hmm. And real quick, I, I want to make sure I point out that prejudice is not something that is just assigned to people automatically. Right. Prejudice is literally broken down to prejudgment, and that prejudgment is that is is based on uh, uh, prior <laughs> prior instances or uh, influences that you've received throughout your life. Sure. Um, and that's something that you face uh, probably on a, on an annual basis with your kids yeah. when they comment on how you talk. Yeah, definitely. I, um, quote unquote, don't talk like a black girl. My whole life I've been told that I was a white girl in a black girl's body and that um, I was an Oreo. And you name it, it's been said because I don't talk in the way that people think that I should. Um, and that's definitely something that I experience every year with my kids. I work with a group of kids that are um, from low income areas and a lot of their parents, you know, barely made it out of high school. Some of their parents haven't made it out of high school at all. And so these are kids who are coming from families where mom and dad generally can't help them with their homework. Um, a lot of single parent homes. Some of these kids are literally raising themselves. And so when they meet someone that they see that looks like them, but sounds completely different, they automatically go to a space of, well, that's not how you should sound because that's not how I sound. Yeah, that 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 kills me. Yeah. The, the the closest I've ever come is you don't sound like you're from Oklahoma, which is not a <laughs> not, negative not thing at all. <laughs> I just want to point that out. Um, but like uh, as me, that 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 kills me because when I first met you, that never crossed my mind because I had grown up with people who talked 
like complete mongoloids. Like it, I don't. It's maybe not. And see, I guess because of the way that I was raised and and just the idea of okay, I've got to work harder to get where I want to get. In my mind, when I met you, I thought, well, he's expecting me to be like this, 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 and this. And so I almost, um, unfortunately, I kind of bring that into every relationship that I've ever had with people, friendship, relationship, whatever it may be. You have another relationship? Yeah. People? With my boyfriend. I knew it. I tell him. Knew it. <laughs> no. But, but that's just a thought that I brought in. You know, in every relationship that I've had is, do they think I should be like this A and I'm really like B or... There's only one B. That's Queen B. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, she's giving me the squinty eyes mm-hmm. right now. Um, so, <clears throat> I, I think I think an overall sum- summation of of what we're trying to do here is... Explain to people that um, the, the nuances of interactions uh, with fellow citizens. Am I right? Like, it just explain that uh, the the typical interaction is not is not surface level always. Sure. Because the emotions that you feel when someone goes, you don't talk black. The emotions that you feel are not just like this ignorant person. Right. It's not surface level. The emotions that I feel when somebody says that is, I mean, that it, it literally takes me back through my life of instances where I've heard that from other people. And it kind of puts me in a spot where, okay, now I know what I can expect from you. Now, that being said, I have met many people that my first conversation with them, I walked away and I was like, they are a racist and I will never talk to them again. And really, it was coming from a place of ignorance. It was coming from a place of literally having never met a minority in their life and never had been around anybody that wasn't like them. And they quickly learned and quickly realized, hmm, it's not appropriate for me to say that. And it's not appropriate for me to expect that this person be like this. And that kind of brings up what I was discu- what we were discussing that kind of led us into this podcast in that uh when I explained to some of my coworkers uh you know some of the experiences that Avery and I have had as a couple uh, they look at me like I'm speaking a foreign language they're like well why would anyone assume this or that and I'm talking about the simple interactions and honestly they are super minor like the, the neg- like negligible outcome or effect on our lives as a right. whole, but because they happen so often, it's it it's glaring. Like it's it's a it's a it's very obvious. Well, and I think it's also something that we're hypersensitive to because we feel like almost in this in this climate that we're in right now, we feel like we're in a position where our back is to the wall and we're kind of fighting everybody well Well, and let me maybe uh, let me explain kind of what i'm what what brings me to that uh, to say that so uh when avery and i first uh started dating it was in in college in stillwater oklahoma which when most people hear stillwater oklahoma they're like oh a black person and a white person dating in stillwater how how quickly did y'all get run out of town well stillwater is a very liberal town uh, because there is a giant university it's full there, of college students. So it's pretty open. No, no, very, very few issues. Okay? Right. 
Um, but once we got married and you know we were living here in North Texas, it became obvious that uh, we were not the norm. Right. So when we would go out to dinner, this is what the thing that always comes up. And I, when I explain this to, you know, white coworkers, they always like their eyes light up. They're like, what? How does that even, what, why would you? So when we go out to eat, um, we're sitting down, we've had a full meal. And when the waiter or waitress comes by, when they simply just ask, is this together or separate? Like both my wife and I, my wife has a, 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 a very, a very nice wedding ring that she's not wearing right now. How dare you not wear your wedding ring? Sorry. At our house when we're home alone. I got hot and my hands swole. <laughs> uh, I'm not wearing mine either, so no worries. Uh, but we're both wearing our wedding ring, and and the waiter or waitress asked together or separate. We've been chatting it up. We've been flirting with each other. We've been talking with each other. It's not like I'm pulling out business papers and having her sign some leases. and Right, and if you are a friend that knows us, you know... That our relationship is very much... It's very out in the open, very clear. Right. It's very clear that we're together. So when they ask something simple like that, there it becomes... It's like what I mentioned earlier, when you hear the same innocuous comments over and over again, like they kind of stand out as like, okay, maybe there's something more to this, just in, more than just ignorance. So when I try to explain that situation to, you know, white coworkers... Um, especially those who have even been in the service industry, they try to explain it away really quickly. And the explanation is like, oh, maybe, you know, you guys are, uh, you know, coworkers out on the town. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. Except it's like nine o'clock at night right. in like a dimly lit <laughs> bar. We're both wearing wedding rings and we're both like flirting with each other and kissing each other. Right. Then the explanation is like, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't try to judge. I just ask because it's easier. And I explain, I'm like, okay, but would you ask? A, a a a white couple, both blonde hair, blue eyes, hanging out, uh, with or without wedding rings, doesn't matter. Would you just drop one check at nine o'clock at night? Well, I mean, okay. So the answer is, if it's not resounding, absolutely. Uh, like I would, I would drop two checks and just walk off. Like then there's something, there's some prejudgment happening there. And well, as minor as it might seem, again, when it happens over and over again. It's, I think it's there's obvious. an uncomfortability there. So I think that people, um, they almost like don't want to ask, are you guys together? You know, and, and they don't want to, um, I don't know if they think that will be offended by being asked if we're together. And that's the other side to it. Like the only reason they would ask and not just drop one check is if we would have gotten like, whoa, 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 separate checks, please, please. I don't date white people. Like, right. So the other side to that or the other, the other experience that I, I point out to them or having discussions because it's always fun. Like, I try not to talk politics while I'm at work, but I will damn sure talk about race relations. No, oh, I talk politics all the time. I know. It's your, your little bit different line <laughs> of work. Uh, but when when we talk race relations, I bring up the fact that, you know, Avery has told me on several occasions, like, Brian, you'll never know what it's like to walk into a room and be the only minority every day. Unless you're with my family. Well, I brought that up to her when when our when our daughter was baptized at Avery's grandma's church. I was the only white person within like I'm guessing 50 square miles at least. Um but again, like so when you know she walks into a room and it's you know 50 white people and her every day every day she has you know she has to acknowledge that she's the only minority and move on. Right. And I mean that's something that like I said earlier before you know we we even started the cast i said 
that was my life experience. I And I really don't think anything of it when I walk into a room and I'm the only minority. That is literally something that I've lived with my whole life. Um, so to me, it's not a big deal. I feel comfortable. I feel fine. Now, sometimes I'll notice other people's faces and I see that they're not comfortable, but that's been my life. So it's not a big deal. Only now, as an adult, am I actually getting to work in an area where I'm with people that look like me. And that's been very nice. Right. Well, and that's, that's always my counter to what they say, you know, when like, well, I mean, black people are always welcome no matter, you know, wherever, wherever they go. I mean, it's not like we segregate against black people. This is, these are white coworkers saying this. And while I agree, I also point out the fact like, don't you feel uncomfortable when you drive through a certain part of town? Right. And and you acknowledge that you're the only white person driving around there. Right. And then you feel the need to like, oh, I got to get out of here. Like what what is that? Right. It, or or like you said earlier, they feel comfortable as long as there's an Avery in the room. But the moment someone comes in that, you know, might be a little taller, might be a little uh have a deeper voice, might be a little bigger, might be a little louder, then there's an issue. Are you talking about our friend Francois? Definitely, yeah. That. <laughs> uh, it, but you you bring up a good point. It just becomes that different thing that we were talking about earlier. Right. Um, it's that level of comfortability, uh, level level of comfort and diversity. Uh, that I don't know. It, it, I'm not saying that we need to change it because the, I mean, well, we do need to change it, but I'm not saying that it needs to change overnight. It is going to be a difficult change and a difficult difficult process to work through, no? I feel like what makes me sad is the fact that it's 2017 and we're still trying to work through that process. Wait, wait. So, I mean, what do you, what do you put that in perspective, what you just said? What I mean is, like, like, we should be there by now. I mean, that's my thought. My thought is we should be at the point where it is not uncomfortable for a minority to walk into a room. It's It shouldn't be uncomfortable for multiple minorities to walk into a room. Um we should be at a point where we can just get along because we get along because we're humans and we're all in this together and we all live here together. And it's extremely frustrating and really sad to me to think that here we are in 2017 and it almost feels like the country, I know it feels to me like the country is more divided than it ever has been in my lifetime. And there's more racial tension than there ever has been in my lifetime. And that's upsetting to me, especially when I just brought a child into the world less than two years ago. Yeah. The, 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 the child thing is something that has uh, amplified yeah. the feelings uh, or the anxiety of racial tension in this country. And I remember my parents, you know, honestly, when we got engaged, my parents saying to me, what are you going to say to your kids? And it wasn't in a way of how are you going to explain your racial differences to your children? It was a way of how are you going to explain the world and how it is to your kids? And honestly, I thought you guys are kind of being silly. Um, and it wasn't that I was refusing to acknowledge that there was racism in the world, but in my mind, like, hey, we've just elected this black president. 
Like, there's opportunity for us now. This black president has a name. We're moving on up. And you say his name. Barack. Okay. Okay. We're moving on up. Like, in in my mind, I'm thinking, there's somebody in the White House that looks just like me. Like, this is, this is where it's at. What I'm going to be able to tell my kids is that we had a bomb... Bomb a president, right? And that you, as a a child, a mixed race child, you too can do anything, right? Exactly. Because up to that point, black people could do anything they wanted. They could be the highest paid athlete. They could do other things that didn't involve leadership, and that's where they were. So I, Chris Rock has an awesome, awesome phrase or awesome term, and it's for white people, the sky's the limit. For black people, the limit's the sky. Right. And it, honestly, it, it's one of those jokey joke things. That but it's, it's completely just, true. It is true. Because even as we elected our first black president, he was, he was accused by our current president as Ugh. being not a non-American and the, uh, uh, the, uh, the the current White House's the uh, press uh, press of choice uh, as being a child molester and running some pizza scam on the East Coast for doing so like the level of of like vitriol that that Obama had to go through to <laughs> just the last out eight years and the the fact that people hated everything that he stood for uh, but oh yeah don't take the Affordable Her- uh, Affordable Care Act away from me oh wait that's the same thing as Obamacare. I'm torn. I was told to hate Obamacare. That That is a simple, like, an easy connection between the fact that America really didn't like someone based on what that Great. person was. It, was. it was very much, and I truly, firmly believe this about Donald Trump, it was very much um, a, you have something that I don't think a black man should have. And so I'm going to try to do everything within my power to take that away from you, which is why I think he he started the whole birther movement anyway. I know a lot of people have their ideas as to why he started the birther movement to try to get to a certain base and da 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 and da 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 da. I don't think Donald Trump is honestly that intelligent. He doesn't think through anything. And so why would he sit back and think through a process to become president by trying to um, delegitimize the person that is currently president? I don't think it was that complicated. I really, truly believe that there was this man who thought that Barack Obama was in a position that he didn't deserve because of the color of his skin. We're talking about someone that refused to give housing to people because of the way they looked. So why in the world can we not then equate that to the fact that he doesn't think, if if you don't think that a black person deserves housing, you sure don't think they deserve president. Just so to put some perspective, you're referring to when Donald Trump was a landlord. Yes. Okay. And he was refusing uh, black black applicants uh, housing in his establishment. Yes. Okay. So sometimes uh, when podcasting, sometimes you get... Uh, in your own head and you start describing things and I understand what you're talking about because I've lived with you for 10 years and I've heard these arguments several times but I want to make sure that the average listener the new listener the now woke listener uh, understands the 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 context in which you're speaking Um, so as we kind of uh, come to come to a conclusion on episode one of the yet to be named podcast maybe we should call it the alarm clock because we so woke you love it I feel it. You love it. Okay. I mean, it's I said settled. I said that joke earlier, <laughs> and I feel like you just stole it from me. 
But you said it in reference to something completely different. It's still a, it was still a good joke at the time. You, okay. you didn't laugh. Well, because it wasn't funny when you said it. Okay. See, ladies and gentlemen, this is what it's like to be married for a long time. A long, long time. <sighs> so, it, it, thank you for listening to the first episode. Um, you're making it to this point, so you've obviously enjoyed it. You're welcome. Um, but please uh, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Um, Redbone. Not going to. The alarm clock. Not going to do any of that. Um, Stay woke. Stop. Okay. <laughs> now you're just being ridiculous. Uh, I will say uh, some of the other topics that I've even written down here is the fact that, you know, how, how do we raise a, ch- uh, a mixed race child? That's That in and of itself would probably be like a two-hour podcast. Definitely. Um, the, the fact that, you know, our both of our parents have to, I don't want to say, they have to cope with the fact that that we have a, a mixed race baby in the family. Yeah. A baby that doesn't identify with either family as a whole, uh, but identifies with both equally. But she sure is loved. She's loved literally by everyone in our family, both by blood and by friendship. Yeah. Um, that is the one good thing that we have in our in our lives, is that we've surrounded ourselves with a very... <laughs> diverse group of An friends. extremely diverse group of friends. But that leads me to the other topics that we could talk about, the fact that um, we are friends with some... Very amazing people who did not were not born in this country, yeah, um, but who are facing some very interesting times right Challenges. now as well. Yeah, for sure. Right. Um, and we also uh, <laughs> have some people who who live uh, very happy lives. Yeah. Who uh, the current administration does like you know may refuse to acknowledge are actually married. Yeah. Um. I, it's the, the topics that we have to talk about uh, about relationships within this country are very deep. So I look forward to discussing them with you, Avery, because we discuss them on the reg every morning. I know it'd be nice to get this this conversation outside of the house and really hear kind of what the rest of America thinks. Um, I'm sure we're going to get some real good love from that uh, far right side. Um, but you know what? That's all right with me. I'm coming for you, <laughs> Richard Spencer. You don't. He doesn't need anybody else coming after him. <laughs> that fool. Okay. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Uh, for Brian here in North Texas. Bye bye. From Avery here in North Texas. See you later. Missing someone.